Well, it is great to be with you this morning. We are in our Anxious for Nothing series. Did everyone get a card uh, when you came in this morning? If you didn't get one of these cards, uh, lift your hand and maybe we can have someone bring it to you. Um, I don't know who that someone is. I'm just, there's Andrew. He's going to be that someone. Um, he will bring you a card and so you can kind of have that in front of you this morning as we get started. Uh, we do welcome you here. If it's your first time here, Mount Hope is one church in two locations, as you're hearing this morning, with a um, uh, location in Burlington and a location in Belmont. We also have a great school there in Burlington as well that God is using just to be a blessing to people in our community. So that card uh, gives our scripture for that we've been looking at in this series, and I encourage you to look at that. I will ask, I know Pastor Brian, I think he did this in Belmont last week, I did it in Burlington, asked, uh, he was going to call on people to uh, speak it, and that might have it memorized, and, and he didn't really do that, I don't, at least I hope he didn't do that. Um, but I'll give you a chance, does anyone actually have it memorized, and you want to give it a shot, you want to... You want to try and say it? Does anyone, anyone actually have it that you memorized it yet? And you want to, even if you don't have the whole thing memorized, give it a shot? No? All right. I have a gift for you if you try it. <laughs> oh, I got someone in the back. Okay, give it a shot. That's okay. Go ahead. Well, yeah, filling in the gaps, right? So rejoice in the Lord always. And uh, the third one is let your, the second one is gentleness. The third one, the Lord is at hand. Do not be uh, anxious uh, for anything. But I'll give, you a, I'll give you a gift anyway. When you come pass that back, uh, give that a shot. And maybe next week someone else will give it a shot and have it memorized. And if Pastor Brian is nice, he'll have a gift too for you. Um, I'll leave that for him. But we're in this series. You know, this isn't the only passage in Scripture that talks about anxiety. Let me read you another one. Uh, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, these are the words of Jesus. I don't have it on the screen. I just want you to hear it, listen to it. Here's what uh, Jesus said. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all those things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. 
For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Lord, God, we hear this word, but we're not very good at it. We are an anxious people, Lord. We're filled with what ifs and maybes, uncertainties. And sometimes they're just a fleeting thought, but sometimes they're almost crippling to us. And so, Lord, we come to you today and we come to your word and we ask that you would speak to us. Speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, speak to our bodies. Lord, help us to hear what you would have to say to us. Lord, make us more like Jesus. Lead us into your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in this series, and we're talking about not being anxious, and Jesus talks about not being anxious, but it's not easy, right? It's not easy. I mean, there's times in our lives where we hear this, and I want to not be anxious, right? I want to be like that rock that doesn't move. Um, you, ever, you, ever, you ever go to Rafe's Chasm in Gloucester? Rafe's Chasm in Gloucester are these rocks that are there that have been there for, for you know, who knows how long over time. And they just stay there and they're sturdy and they don't move and the waves crash against them. And when I hear the words, do not be anxious, I think that's what I want to be like. I want to be a rock that the waves crash against, but you don't move, right? They're, they're there, and they're sturdy. And this is a picture from like 200 years ago, and this is a picture from now. And it's like, wow, yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what do not anxious be looks like, right? That's what do not worry looks like. But if I'm honest with myself, I'm a lot less like Rafe's Chasm and probably a lot more like Plum Island sometimes in a storm and what that looks like. That when the storm goes through and it hits the, it hits the uh, shore, it just eats away at it. The houses start to fall and cave in. And a lot of times it looks like this instead in my life where the worries come and I want to be like the rock, but my life kind of feels like it's falling into the sea. And maybe you feel like that too. Now the truth is, a lot of our anxieties and worries in our lives can feel like that. And so we take some time to look at this because even though our, our world is discovering the problems of anxiety, in fact, this past week, Fox 25 ran a story uh, that for the first time ever that the, um, uh, I want to get the name right of them, the U.S. Preventative Service Task Force, did you know that existed? The U.S. Preventative Service Task Force is recommending that every U.S. adult under 65 is screened for anxiety. Um, that uh, because they know that there is an issue in our world that it's hurting people. 26% of men and 40% of women experience anxiety disorders in their lifetime. But here's the thing. That's not just a thing that happens out there. God knew that we were like this. Uh, long before Fox 25 or the U.S. Preventative Services discussed it, God already knew that we were a people that tend towards anxiety. Some of you might say, well, <laughs> talk about anxiety for five weeks. Isn't that a lot, Pastor? I mean, that feels like a lot. We're three weeks in and, you know, okay, can we, can we move on to something else? Well, the passage I just read you out of Matthew chapter 6 comes out of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. 
The Sermon on the Mount is the longest single sermon we have of Jesus recorded. Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. It has approximately 2,500 words in the English Standard Version translation. 250 of those words are about anxiety. The one single sermon of Jesus, the longest one we have, and 10% of it, he takes time to talk about anxiety, to talk about being anxious. And so five Sundays in a year is probably about right for us to take time to look at what what God has to say about this in our lives. So we've been saying that, look, uncertainty comes in your life, and the unknown often makes us anxious. And when that happens, the first week, September 11th, we said you should celebrate what you know about God. When the unknown makes you anxious, celebrate what you know about God. Second week, uh, we said when the unknown makes you anxious, you should trust in the God who is near to give you a contagious calm. We looked at that last week. This week, we want to continue to go on, and we're going to look at uh, present your requests to God, and then uh, next week, think about what you think about, and then finally on October 9th, practice these things. So that's where we're going. Uh, But let's take a look this morning at uh, this idea of getting rid of our anxiety. We called this series Anxious for Nothing. Um, and the truth is, we could have used this passage that I read out of Matthew just as easy as we use the Philippians passage. Uh, because in that passage, Jesus says this, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his life? And by saying that, Jesus is essentially saying, you're anxious, but you're anxious for nothing. You're anxious for no reason. Your anxiety doesn't accomplish anything. You can't even add a single hour, and I think he just as easily could have said, you can't add a single minute to your life with all your worrying and all your anxiety. In fact, we learn by, you know, studies now, what we know about the human body, that you're actually taking away from your life with your anxiety and with your worry. And so you're anxious for nothing. It doesn't accomplish anything. There's no reason to be anxious, no point to it. It changes nothing. It produces nothing except more anxiety and worry. Worry begets worry, not peace. But you already know that. You and I have spent time worrying, and we know we didn't accomplish anything except time being passed and lost. We're already anxious for nothing. The question is, can you not be anxious for anything? That's what this passage offers. Don't be anxious for anything. And I think the answer to that question is yes. Because worry might not change things, but there is something that does. And we want to talk about that for a few minutes this morning. First, I want to talk about this. To get rid of anxiety, you need to relocate your worry. To get rid of anxiety, the first thing you and I need to do is relocate your worry. There is a place to bring your anxiety. That's the first thing this passage tells us. We're looking at verses 6 and 7 in Philippians chapter 4 today. And verse 6 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Let your requests be known to God. In other words, there's a place 
to bring your requests. There's a place to bring your worries. Where do you bring your anxieties? Maybe a friend, maybe the internet, maybe a therapist, all places that can be helpful at times, but do you ever let your requests, bring your anxieties, let them be known to God? You and I not only have the opportunity, the invitation, but actually in this passage, the command to bring your anxieties to God, to bring your concerns, to bring your worries to him. The command is grounded in this reality that God is near. We've been talking about that the last few weeks. The Lord is at hand. God is near. There's a passage in Hebrews that says, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in a time of need. You and I are invited to draw near to God. But where do you bring your anxieties? Do you take time to bring them to the Lord? What's that look like? Second Peter uh, says, uh, 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. What's that feel like? I was thinking about that, and I thought, well, the only time I ever use the word casting is when I go fishing. And I'm not much of a fisherman. Some of you probably are. To be honest, I don't go very often. Maybe once a year, we're down Cape Cod with my family, and we might go once a year and take the kids out on the boat, and, you know, they're going to throw out a line, and we'll pull up mostly scup if you've ever caught those down Cape Cod. Sometimes a flounder. This year we caught one flounder but couldn't get it in the boat. Um, uh, if, if we're lucky, we'll catch the flounder. If we're unlucky, we'll catch sea robins. Anyone know what sea robins are? I don't even know if that's the right term for them. They are ugly. They, they get wings and little claws, and they are the hardest thing to get off of your hook when they get on there. We caught some bass, sea bass this year. Those were hard to get off. I never caught those before. They got teeth that like go all the way back in their mouth. But I'm not much of a fisherman, but I think about casting. When I think about cast your cares upon God, I think about fishing. Because the word cast, what it means, it means to intentionally relocate something. Right? And that makes sense, right? When you're taking a fishing rod, and if I can... Without, oh boy, I didn't mean to throw it that far. All right, so, sorry, Mark. Um, I got a cop behind your foot, man. Uh, yeah, that's all right. I can't, that's all right. I intentionally relocated it. Um, the word cast means to intentionally relocate. And that's what Peter's asking you to do. Take what bothers you, take what worries you, take what concerns you, take what you're anxious about, and intentionally relocate it with God. Give it over to him. Lay it at his feet. Bring it to the Lord. And that's what, that, that's what we're invited to do, that you and I are invited to cast it out. And so we do that. We, we, we go to prayer and we get up in the morning and we say, God, I, you know, I give this over to you. And maybe you do that. Maybe I do that. Because you need to. You know, if I keep the bait in the boat with me, it's like pointless, right? If I never cast it out into the water, I'm never going to accomplish the mission or purpose that I'm hoping to accomplish. I've got to cast it out. I've got to send it away from me. And it's the same thing with your anxiety and your prayers. You know, if, if you're going to 
see something change, you're going to have to cast it away from you. And you're going to have to cast it and give it to someone who can help and give it over to the Lord. And that's what Peter's inviting you to do. Cast that out. But here's what a lot of us do. We do that, and then we just start to kind of, all right, prayer time's over. I'm going to reel that back in, and I'm just going to take that with me now. And we're going to go about my day. You and I, we cast out maybe our anxieties, but we always kind of end up taking them back with us. You know, we, we give it to God a little bit, but God, I'm going to take that back. Let me worry about that a little bit more. Let me be anxious about that a little bit more. And then we, you know, we, we never really completely give it over to God. What God is really asking us to do, who I don't want to hit someone in the head here. I don't know. Can I, can I go all the way back to Don? I don't know. We're going, oh, Dave, Bill, all right. God is really asking us to do is to throw that out there, cast it out, and then cut the line, right? And that's gone. And leave it with the Lord. And leave it with him. We're not very good at that because we want to worry about it. We somehow think being anxious is going to accomplish something. But God, God is inviting us, would you cast it on me? intentionally relocate it there. I love the way Peter writes it because he says, because he cares for you. Another way to, uh, to translate that is to say, he'll do the caring for you. God will, if you cast your cares on him, he'll do the caring for you. And that's what he invites you to do. So cast your cares. Relocate your concerns with him. But the second thing is this, to relocate your worry. In order to do that, how do you do that? Name it and thank God for taking it. The scripture says this, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What I see in here is there is a process for bringing your anxieties to God. And supplication, what does supplication mean? It's a fancy word that all that means is your requests. But really, it's a little bit more than that. It kind of means your specific requests. So bring it to God, bring it to God in prayer, bring your specific requests to God. What's that look like? Well, I'll tell you. So you're, you're anxious, you're worrying, you're concerned about something. And you go to God in prayer, and maybe it starts out looking like this. God, I'm anxious. I, I really don't want to be anxious. Would you take my anxiety and worry away? Well, that's a good prayer. But let me give you a better prayer. <laughs> Go down, I, this is the way I put it, pray down levels. <laughs> so say, okay, maybe the Holy Spirit says to you, well, what are you anxious about? Well, God, I got this test today, and I'm not sure I'm going to do very well on it. And I'm afraid I'm going to fail, and I'm not going to get a good grade. Oh. And, and if I don't get a good grade on this test, it's really going to affect my GPA. And my GPA is, it, it's, it's right on the edge of the school that I want to get into, what they're going to accept. And if I fail this test and I fail this class, then I don't think I'm going to get into this school. 
and, and God, I'm really anxious about that. And, and I've already told my parents and I've already told everyone I know that I'm going to this school and I've been talking about it for years and I don't think I'm going to get into it. And they're going to think I'm a failure and they're going to look down on me. And God, I really care a lot about what other people think of me. And Lord, maybe that's my request. To take your specific request to God. God, the truth is I care way too much what other people think of me. And Lord, would you help me to remember that my value is in what you think of me. See, when I start to pray down, I really start to get to the place of where my anxiety is grounded in. And it usually has something to do with something I believe about God or I believe about myself that needs to be corrected and come in line with God's word. And I, that's why I love this idea of bring your specific request to God. Don't stop at, God, I'm anxious. I don't want to be anxious. Take it away. Keep praying down. What is that? Keep praying down. God, I feel this. God, this is what I'm worried about. God, this is what I'm concerned about. Bring your specific request. Because it says, let your request be made known to God. Let's be honest. God already knows it. You often don't. You need to know that God knows it. God, I really have trouble with putting way too much weight on what other people think of me. I'm glad I could leave that with you. Supplication with thanksgiving. It's hard to be thankful and anxious at the same time. And that's kind of, I think, what Paul's getting at here. That if you will approach your life with gratefulness, and again, our world around us, general revelation, is discovering a lot of the power of gratitude and how that can help your attitude and, and change the way you look at life in such a way, but God shared it with us a long time ago, that if you will approach life and approach your prayer time with thanksgiving, that your anxieties can be given over to God in a greater way. It's hard to be thankful and anxious. You go into someone's house, maybe for the first time, and uh, you're anxious about it. And you're not sure you want to go, and you're not, you know, you, you, weren't, you, you weren't keen on the invitation anyway, and you're getting anxious about going to a new place for the, for the first time. But then on the way, you start saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you for someone who invited me into their home. Uh, thank you for, maybe it's a church community where I'm cared for, and somebody knows me, and somebody cared to love me. Thank you, Lord for somebody taking the time to prepare a meal for me. Thank you, Lord, for uh, somebody thinking about me while they were cooking their meal today. And all of a sudden, I'm filled with gratitude, and my gratitude is replacing my anxiety. It's hard to be thankful and anxious at the same time. So Paul says, this is how you pray, specifically and with thankfulness. So you put the two together. <laughs> Lord, I'm anxious. Would you take my anxiety away? What are you anxious about? Well, God, we've had two bad quarters with my group at work. And uh, I think they're going to have layoffs. And, Lord, I was one of the last people hired, and I'm probably going to be the first people laid off. And if I get laid off, uh, Lord, I'm the primary provider for our house, and I'm also sending money back home. And if I get laid off, there's all these people depending on me, and I won't be able to pay our bills, and we're not going to be able to pay the rent, and we're going to have to move, and our kids are doing so good in school, and they're going to have to change school systems. And, and Lord, I just don't think 
you know, that, that I could handle that, and I'm just worried, and I'm anxious that you won't provide for me. Lord, would you help me remember that you are my provider. God, thank you for all the times you've provided for our family in the past. God, thank you for this job that you gave me. God, thank you that I was able to pay my bills last month. God, thank you for the way you've watched over my kids and provided for their education. God, thank you for the food that we had for dinner. Like, you put those two things together. Bring your specific requests with thanksgiving to God. And this is what Philippians, what Paul is inviting us to. And what does that lead to? Our last point today, what does that lead to? The final point is this. When God takes your worry, when you bring specific prayers with thanksgiving to him, when you bring it to God, when God takes your worry, peace gets to move in. Verse 7 says this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So don't be anxious about anything. Let your request, with, uh, but by, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Just let that, listen to that verse again. I ask you to close your eyes because some of you are anxious and you just need to hear this word. Just listen to the word of God. I'm going to read it a couple times. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's the promise that God gives to you. That peace of God. And here's the interesting thing. We just let our requests be made known to God. You might expect that next verse to say, and God will answer it just the way you asked. And God will change your circumstances, but it doesn't say that, does it? What does he promise? He promises his presence, his peace to be with you. He doesn't promise to change the circumstances. I mean, he does often do that, but that's not the promise in this verse. That's not the anxiety promise. Here's what we think. We think, God, give me this money and I won't be anxious. Yes, you will. Because you'll want more money. We think, God, give me job security and I won't be anxious. Yes, you will. Because you'll want the next job. And the next thing. Or you'll look at the other person who has the other job that you wanted that you didn't get. We think, give me the college acceptance letter and I won't be anxious. Make my kid well and I won't be anxious. But God doesn't promise to change the circumstance. He promises to give himself and his peace to us. Sometimes the circumstances do change. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. 
If you were to read about Paul's experience in Philippi, it would take you to Acts chapter 16. And in Acts chapter 16, you would read that Paul and his ministry partner Silas were in Philippi preaching one time, and, and there was this girl that was following them around that had a lot of issues, was making a lot of trouble. And at one point, Paul turns to her and actually casts a demon out of her. And it completely changes her, puts her in her right mind. But the problem is there were people who were exploiting this girl. They were using her to make money. And they didn't like that Paul had just cast a demon out of her and made her in her right mind. So they got a mob of people together. They surrounded Paul and Silas. They ripped their clothes off. They beat them with rods and they actually got the authorities to say to throw them in prison because they said they were making trouble. Acts chapter 16 says Paul and Silas were in prison. And about midnight, they started singing. And when they did, an earthquake shook the prison. When the earthquake shook the prison, the doors actually opened and the chains actually fell off of Paul and Silas. Because sometimes when you are not anxious and you make your request known to God with thanksgiving, sometimes the circumstances change. Sometimes an earthquake comes and the prison doors open and the chains fall off. And thank you, Lord, for that. But Paul's writing this letter to the church of Philippi years later from a prison in Rome. And the way the story is going to end there is Paul will die as a martyr in the Roman prison. Sometimes an earthquake comes and the prison doors open. And sometimes you die as a martyr in prison. And the peace of God can be with you in both those times. God didn't promise to change the circumstances. He promised to give his peace in the midst of the circumstances, in the midst of the difficult time, in the midst of the hard time. I mean, this is what Jesus meant when he said, peace, I leave you. I leave you with my peace. I give to you, not as the world gives peace. Do I give it to you? Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. I've given you my peace, but it's not a peace that the world is going to understand. In fact, he says, it passes understanding. It doesn't make sense in the light of the circumstances. We seek often a peace we can understand. We seek a peace that, oh, everything's going well, I can have peace. The bills are paid, everyone's healthy, there's no surprises, I can have peace. Jesus says you can have peace when things are a storm around you, when it doesn't make sense. And the reason that is is because we often think to be authentic, our emotions have to line up with our reality around us. How can you be so calm? It's crazy out there. It's true. But my reality is grounded in Christ. Peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Your true reality as a Christian is not what you experience immediately around you. It's what you know of Christ in you. There was an article in the New York Times in 2010 by a woman named Sheena Iago. She studied this um, idea of choice she was looking at. What has she suspected 
Sheena suspected is that religiously observant people who obey lots of behavioral restrictions would feel unable to control their own lives and thus be pessimistic, anxious, depressed. To test this hypothesis, she interviewed more than 600 people from nine different religions, ranging from fundamentalists to liberals. She surveyed their religious beliefs and practices, asked questions to test optimism, and had them fill out a mental health questionnaire, and what she found surprised her. She found that members of more fundamentalist faith experienced greater hope, were more optimistic when faced with adversity, and were less likely to be depressed than their counterparts. She writes, indeed, the people most susceptible to pessimism and depression were the Unitarians, especially those who were atheists. The presence of so many rules didn't debilitate people. Instead, it seemed to empower them. It's an interesting observation, but I think Sheena stopped short of the actual reasoning and conclusion. It wasn't about the rules that maybe more fundamentalist faith, as she calls it, puts it. It was about the relationship with God that these people had that allowed them to have a peace even in the midst of difficult circumstances. It wasn't about the rules. It was about in Christ Jesus, as Paul wrote. This has been the chain of peace that passes understanding all through Christian history. Jesus experienced it. Think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying right before he goes to the cross. The Bible says that he's praying so intently that he actually sweat drops of blood. You want to talk about being anxious? You want to talk about concern? There's Jesus in the Garden praying. Father, let this cup pass from me. I know what's coming. This isn't going to be easy. But what's the next scene? Next scene is they come to arrest him, and there's peace. And he says, you know, why didn't you arrest me out, out in the city? I've been here. He, he, someone cuts an ear off, and he puts it back. He heals him. He, you know, he goes, and he's under a complete peace that whole time. This is the chain of peace that flows through Christian history. Jesus experienced it. Paul experienced it. He can write to the Philippians just as we're reading about this idea that peace comes and can, your anxiety can be lifted. Stephen, the first martyr of the church in the book of Acts chapter 6, experienced it. Stephen is getting stoned. The scriptures say this. It says, and as they were stoning Stephen, get the picture? Rocks being thrown at him. He called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. You want to talk about peace in the midst of a storm. You want to talk about a peace that, doesn't, that passes understanding. That doesn't make sense. They're throwing rocks at you. You're praying for them? Passes human understanding. Martyrs in the church throughout. A man named Polycarp in the second century, 86 years old. All they wanted him to do was uh, to deny Christ. 
says, take an oath and I will let you go. And Polycarp answered, for 80 and six years, I have been his servant and he has done me no wrong. How can I now blaspheme my king who saved me? They were going to nail him to a post to burn him. He said, the nails aren't necessary. My love for Christ will hold me there. He was martyred. That piece doesn't make sense. That passes human understanding. Horatio Spofford, we, as the chain goes down through history, we've told his story before. 19th century businessman, lost almost everything in the great Chicago fire. And then he sends his family, his wife and his kids on a trip across the Atlantic Ocean to get some rest and some, some sanctuary. And as they go, their ship is struck by another boat. And he gets a telegram from his wife from England saying two words, saved alone. Their three daughters had perished at sea. Horatio Spofford takes a boat, heads over to England. And when he's over the place where the captain tells him this is near the place where the boat went down, where your family and your daughters perished, he writes a hymn and he writes these words that you and I have sung before maybe. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. The peace of God keeps marching down through history. It doesn't make sense. It passes understanding. I've seen it in families at Mount Hope. I've seen it in a hospital room with a mom whose son has just died way too young and way too early. And I've heard that mom sing hymns and prayers at a peace in a hospital room. That doesn't make sense. How, how can you be singing? Your son is dead. How can, how can, you, be, how can you have a peace? It's a peace that passes human understanding. It doesn't come from the circumstances around us. I've seen it in my life at times where I've had questions come up and I've had things come up. I remember, I remember when uh, I was in seminary and Wendy was working and, and, and really the primary income earner for our family. And I get a call on my then, my, what my kids think is unbelievably useless, a pager. They don't even understand it. They're like, what, you can't call back? Like, what does that even do? That's another story for another day. But I get a call on the pager, right? And you used to have these codes you put in, right? And she'd put in 911 because that was the code, you know, call right away. And she said, I just got laid off. And we don't have any other income and we're in seminary and what are we going to do? And I thought, you know, I don't know what we're going to do. You know, we, this has never happened to us before. And, and we're, I'm not sure. Maybe we'll have to leave school. Maybe we'll have to move. I don't, all the things that would run through your mind. And that's how God provides. The, the chain of peace and anxiety through human history and through Christianity marches on. And I bet it marches on in your life, too. Where are the places in your life where you have seen God? bring peace that surpasses human understanding. Our team's coming up. Would you take out that card that I asked you uh, to look at? I'm going to, on the back of that card, there's two columns. It, these words come right out of our scripture today. 
One column says anxious for nothing. Another column says pray about everything. I want to give you, I want to give you just, I don't know how long you guys go here. I take two hours in Burlington. Is that good? All right. We won't go two hours. But I'm going to give you two minutes. And I'm going to ask you guys not to start singing for two minutes. Do me a favor. Don't start singing for two minutes. Because I want you to just, I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit. Here's what I believe. Here's what we believe at Mount Hope. There's a God who wants to speak to you. There's a God, there's a Holy Spirit who wants to speak to you. And I want to give you a moment to listen to him. Because the truth is we're often just too busy to listen to God. Our worlds are filled with busyness. I want to give you two minutes of sacred space to listen to the Holy Spirit. On this left side of this card, maybe you'd write down, God, and you'd start praying down. Here's what I'm anxious for. And maybe you'd go down and down and down just like I did. And you'd finally get to a place where you say, this is my real anxiety, Lord. This is my real fear. And on that other side, pray about everything. Then maybe you would counter that with, what can I be thankful for? What can I be thankful for? What's the provision of God in my life? What does God have to say to me? I don't know what you're going to put on the right side because I don't know what's going on the left side to you. What I know is there's a Holy Spirit that wants to speak to you. And we need to give him time to just say, God, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm going to pray. We're going to wait two minutes and then the team will lead us in a closing worship song. Lord, Father, I pray that anything I've said that has not been helpful would be forgotten, but that your word would remain. Lord, I pray that you would lead us by your Holy Spirit in these moments, in this sacred space, when none of us are talking. Would you speak to our hearts and help us to hear from you? In Jesus' name.